verses beginning in verse number 5 through the end of the book, which is verse 13. As always, in respect to the reading of the Word of God, if you're able to stand once again, I invite you to stand. That's 2 John, one chapter, verses 5 through 13. Allow me to begin reading in verse number 5, and I will read the succeeding odd-numbered verses. Would you please read with me in unison, beginning in verse number 6, along with the succeeding even-numbered verses through the end of the book. 2 John 5, verses 5 through verse 13, reading responsively. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayers. Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, take your words, please, and speak to our hearts in a new and a greater way this morning. Father, speak to Christian hearts. Lord, if there be one here that needs to receive Christ as Savior, whether an adult or a child, be with the children's church workers here in a moment as well. And we pray that, Lord, you would speak to hearts of those that need to be redeemed. We'll thank you for it. Lord, I, bless, I pray you bless now in the preaching of thy word we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We looked last week at the, the, the first of two messages. Obviously, this morning is going to be the last message in this little epistle of First John, or Second John, rather. In First John, we looked at the key word of the book of First John after 37 messages. If you don't get this, I'm going to feel very disappointed, very uh, very uh, insufficient that I did not teach you right. What is the key word of First John? It is the word know, K-N-O-W, these things I know. It's in your face gospel. Now last week was our first and all, the first of two messages on this little epistle of Second John, but the key word of Second John is found five times in the first four verses, and that is the word truth. Very good. And uh, then we saw that the second key word of this book of Second John is the word love. And the third key word, which I have not given you yet, we'll talk in, it'll be the body of our message this morning, is the word deceivers or deception or deceived. And I want to preach a message entitled this morning, Truth, Love, and Deception. Let us ask God some blessing once again here before we begin. Heavenly Father, now, Lord, speak to your children's hearts this morning, dear God, in a wonderful way. 
Lord, we'd like to pray for those that are not with us this morning. Lord, many, of course, that are away on vacation, some that are sick amongst us, some that are just not here for one reason or another. But Lord, uh, I pray that, Lord, you'd work in their hearts, but we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, so I pray that you would anoint uh, these lips of clay, use them to speak to the hearts, Lord, that you've created. Lord, and may we do your will, we pray. Bless now in these moments together, I pray again in Jesus' name, amen. Just in way of review, there's really a four-point outline. If you, I have a four-fold outline for this little epistle, Second John. I want you to notice, first of all, a word of commendation. We'll do this very quickly. It's really a review of last week's message, a 30-second review. We, a word of commendation, and we read, the, of course, the word of truth, and we figured out that truth gives life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the personification of the truth. And we, so we saw in the first four verses of the scripture last week that we are to learn the truth. We're to have it in our minds. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're to love the truth. That's in our hearts. And then we're to live the truth. That's with our lips and with our feet. And then we're to leave, or that is to pass on the truth to others. He being dead yet speaketh, the Bible says. And after we go, may people still... When they think of us, they think of the truth. And so we, we see a word of commendation in verses 1 to 4. But then we looked at, fairly quickly last week, a word of command. And a new commandment it is not. But the command is that we love one another with a pure heart fervently. And so love gives liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And there's the most freedom is found in, in living a life that's full and free in Jesus Christ. And so we have this commendation, which is truth, and truth gives life. We have a command to love one another, as Christ loved us, and love gives liberty. But now we get to the body of our message, beginning in verse number 7 through verse number 11. We want to deal with this morning here a word of caution. We go from the first key word, the key word of the book, the word truth, to the second key word of the book, which is found several times, three times I believe it is, in verse number five and six, the word love. We get to this next key word that the next few verses talk about. Notice what it says in verse number seven as we begin this morning. For many deceivers, many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. I want you to give you the word of caution this morning. The word of caution, of course, is this deception. And I want you to know that deception gives loss. Millions of people are going to be damned to hell forever and ever because they've been deceived. If you love somebody, you tell them the truth. I'm going to preach the truth this morning. Sanctify them. Set them apart by thy word. Thy word is truth. You may not like what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it, and I'm going to try to say it in love. I'm going to tell you the truth, whether it hurts or not, because the truth can help, and the truth can give you life. Truth, love gives you truth. If you love somebody, you, you give them liberty through the truth. And liberty, and by the way, truth is before there's love. And we need to have truth and love in order to not have loss 
in this deception. But I want you to deal with the several forms of deception. First of all, the first word there, first three words here, for many deceivers. When I think of deceivers, I think of the, the, the one and the, the deceiver of deceivers, or the, the, I have it in italics on your worksheet, the deceiver, the devil. Revelation 12, 9 says, and that great serpent, the great dragon who was cast out, that, that old serpent, the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Now, Pastor Palmer has been in Sunday school class. He's been dealing with the doctrine of Jesus Christ and doctrine of God, of course, for several weeks, of course. And uh, we see that God is omniscient. He's all-knowing and he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Now, the devil is not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. And the, the devil, there's only one devil and he can't be everywhere at once. But the Bible says his influence is felt all over the whole world. I liken it to, I got a newsletter from the Riverside Baptist Church over in Terryville a couple weeks ago, and, they, and I've figured it out now. They have a little antenna behind their church, a 100-foot tower or 80-foot tower, whatever it is. They got a radio station, Christian radio station, and it broadcast three or four miles in a, a short orbit, of course, around Terryville, Plymouth there, and you can pick it up about halfway to Torrington, and then it starts to fade out. But even though they have one tower, they have that sphere of influence, well, I don't know exactly how it works. Maybe that's a poor illustration. But Satan, is a, he has a sphere of influence. And his sphere of influence covers the whole world. The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. He's the devil that deceives him. He has his minions. He has his angels. Millions of them, no doubt. But he is the deceiver, the devil. John eight forty four. the Bible tells us that Jesus said, You are of your father, the devil. He's a liar from the beginning. John 10, 10, I quoted so often, Jesus there said, the thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. Satan wants to destroy you. If you're in this room this morning here, he desires to sift you as wheat like Peter. He desires to devour you like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. He desires to destroy you. And one of the great ways that Satan destroys people is by deceiving them that he doesn't even exist. How many people mock and they laugh at the idea of a, of a devil? They mock at the, this, this prince of the power of the air, as he's called, the god of this world, but he is real. And this, I want you to notice the prince of the, or the god of all deceivers, small g, is the devil himself. But then I want you to notice verse number seven again. For many deceivers, he has his cohorts, his, his deceivers in crime. The Bible says many Reminds me of Jesus' word in Matthew 24, verse number 24. Jesus said, For there shall arise false Christ in the latter days. By the way, the latter days has specifically been going on for 2,000 years. Since the time of Pentecost, we've been in the latter days. There shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders in so much as, as if it were possible. It's not. But if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. The word deceivers there, when you think of the word deceivers, it means, the word deceiver means imposters. It means uh, counterfeits, a replica of the real thing. Let me spell this out. I'm trying to tell you there are thousands of churches all across America that claim to be Christian churches. Right in our backyard, I'm telling you, there's some churches like this. And I, I, you say, preacher, who are you talking about? Ask me after the service, maybe I'll tell you. But there are churches that that supposedly name the name of Christ, but they're imposters. They don't even believe in the Christ that they claim they, they know. 
They don't believe he's come in the flesh. They don't believe he's God. They don't believe the very foundational doctrinal truths of this, the, the, the word of God. I've given the illustration many times of, a, of a, an apostate pastor near here. He's been in hell for a number of years, I understand now. I've given the illustration of his mocking me for being a, he used the word to, towards me, a fundamentalist. He said, how about this, a liberal with a fundamentalist as we had a joint funeral together. He thought that, he says, this ought to be fun, was his statement. And he mocked everything. I said, before we went out to that funeral, I asked him about being born again. He slapped his knee hard and laughed. and said, son, I had a hard enough time being born the first time. I'm not worried about no second time. Just mocked the things of God. What is he? A deceiver. He went out there and with his purple robe and he prayed, our father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. He just got done telling me in the office before we went out there that he didn't even know if there was a God. Didn't believe Jesus rose from the grave. Certainly didn't believe he was from, that he was God, God in the flesh. He's a deceiver. The Bible says there's many of these deceivers. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse number 30, speaking to the elders at Ephesus, he said that uh, this, I know also that they'll come in amongst you grievous wolves, not sparing the flock. They'll amongst your own selves, he said. So a deceiver is an imposter, a counterfeit, a con artist, a trickster, a huckster, a fake, a sham, many other adjectives or synonyms we could give for a deceiver. But the Bible says there's many deceivers. In Paul's day, there were the docetists. There are forms of docetism today. Those that say, that, and many Jews, by the way, are really docetists in fact because they don't believe that it's possible for God to ever become or, to ever have become man. That God could not take upon himself sinful flesh. We just read about the kenosis, or we just heard about the kenosis in Sunday school this morning, about the putting off that the, the king of glory came down and took the lowest of the low and became was robed in flesh, mystery of all mysteries. But we have docetists, and then we have deists today in different forms and stripes. Those that say that God, some God somewhere created the earth, got the whole ball of wax rolling, and then he's but he's not, he can't really hear us. He can't really, in a, a, every deist doesn't believe that Jesus is Christ. Of course, he's the God. So the Bible says in AD 90 or thereabouts when this was first written, for many deceivers are entered into the world. There's the prince of deceivers, the devil himself. There's many deceivers. But then there's the, number three, there's the deceived. There's the deceived. Who are the deceived? Well, several classes of deceived people. First of all, there's the unsaved. The Bible says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. On Thursday, most of you have been there, so some of you have not been there, but we went to the Millennium Theater in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. The auditorium holds 2,600 people. We short-ordered our tickets. We only got 39 tickets. We needed 42 tickets. So we tried to scalp tickets. We tried, I called on Friday and Saturday thinking I could buy three more tickets. Sorry, we're sold out. They sold the show out in the 4 p.m. show. They sold the show out in the 7 p.m. show. We went to see Jesus. 2,600 people in the first show, 2,600 people in the second show, 5,200 people, that adds up to one day. Every day they do that. I guess 800,000 people every year go through those Millennium Theaters and see this year's main plays to play Jesus. And I had to think, as I sat in that auditorium packed, not everybody that was there, as they gave the clear gospel presentation of 
salvation in Christ, had, to, had one of the sight and sounds millennial workers come out at the end and say, if you'd like to know more about this Jesus, I'll receive him as Savior. See one of our workers after the, one of our sight and sounds personnel after the service, and we'll be glad to show you how to be saved today. It's two and a half hours of distinct gospel presentation. And yet for many people, it was just a show. A spectacular show, but just a show. Great special effects, great stage, great, uh, great talent, but nevertheless just a show. Many people, even in Christendom, they look at Christianity as a show. They're unsaved. They're, they've never been redeemed. They've never been saved. They've never been born again. That's one of the issues with, I'm, I don't expect many of you to know this, or most of you know this, but some of you don't. We're a dispensational teaching church. We're not a covenant church per se, but I do believe in covenant. And God's a covenant God, but there's whole churches that are covenant theology. And part of that covenant theology is, hey, I was born in church. I was christened at church. I was confirmed at church. I was catechized at church. I became a church member. Of course I'm a Christian. No, Jesus said you must be born again. You've got to be saved. Now, don't let Satan deceive your mind. Say, no, I'm, I'm in the fold because I, my family was, my, my parents were Christians, my grandparents were Christians. No, you must be born again. So we have this deceived, those that say, well, of course I'm, uh, of course I'm a believer. Are you? It's one thing. The devils believe also and tremble. Remember, salvation is more than the head knowledge. Salvation is the reception of Jesus Christ as your Savior. So we have the... the we have the unsaved, those that are deceived, multitudes, millions of them. The God of this world has blinded their minds, thus the light of the glorious gospel will shine on them and they should be saved. But then in the context, back to Second John, this is being written to the elect lady and her children. I believe it's also being written to the local church, God's children. And so the deceived can be, in this context, he's warning his own, his own little children. We have the Unchurched Christians. America, we're supposedly a Christian nation. I mean, the numbers are dwindling. We used to have, last time I checked, about 10 years ago, 8 years ago, whatever it was, last Pew Research poll, 72 million Americans claim to be, have a relationship with Jesus Christ of some type. Really? I, I question that. Okay, it's 68 million today, right? I hope it's that. I hope it would be more than that. But the Bible says, by your fruits you shall know them. I guarantee you there's no 68 million people in Christian churches across America this morning. I promise you that. It's not even one-tenth of that, probably. And we have the unchurched. You see, 1 Timothy 3.15 says that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Hey, we've had, uh, we have several teachers, public school teachers in our congregation, of course, some sitting here this morning, and uh, I'm thankful for you, of course. I know you're going into the battlegrounds. I get it. But some, somehow, somewhere along the line, we determined, I don't know how it evolved, but we said that our children need 180 days of school a year for six, six and a half hours a day, and they need to have that schooling for 12 years at least. And let's throw in the kindergarten, let's throw in preschool. And then, if you really want to make something of your life, let's get four years of undergraduate college, we call it. And then, if you really want to be something, let's get a master's degree. Let's go on beyond that. And I'm not anti-education, but we say, think about it. 
We say that you need 20 years of education for a 70-year lifespan of time. 20 years of years. When it comes to the things, for, for a temporal 70 years of life. And we have, we call it Sunday school. I know that's so archaic. We need to change our name because nobody likes school to begin with. And so think of Sunday school. That doesn't do too well. But for 45 minutes, we have a teaching time because we think it's important. One time a week, not even 52 hours, 45 hours a year because we think we're preparing people for eternity. You know, the unchurched, by the way, and I just to do this real quickly, you ever been deceived? We've all been deceived, haven't we? You ever, be, you ever, you ever find out you were ignorant of some things? The Bible says that we are, in regards to the things of God, that we should not be ignorant of Satan's devices. I'm afraid we are ignorant. The unchurched, they're, they're like the wind that's tossed to and fro, or the, rather the ship that's tossed to and fro with no mast, no rudder, no guide, no, no help in their life. Let me just spell it out. Let me try to make it real simple. What I'm trying to say, every child of God needs church in their life. And all God's people said, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You say, well, the pastor's not perfect. Well, your teachers are 12 years of score aren't perfect either. But you still go to it. You think it's important. How much more is important is the things of God? So the unchurched, they're, 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 pray to be de- they're, they're prime candidates to be deceived. They're not under the pillar and stylus or the pillar and ground of the truth. And then a, a sister deception group, uh, of course, part of that unchurched group, but the undiscipled. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. <laughs> Folks, I'm teaching doctrine, teaching Didache. I'm teaching right now, I'm teaching what thus saith the Lord. That's what I'm doing as we speak, as I speak right now. I'm teaching you the doctrines, the tenets, the cardinal, fundamental, foundational truths of the faith. It's right here in our verse, of our verse from number seven, that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, that he's God, that without him you don't have life. It's a foundational, fundamental bedrock foundation of our Christian faith. There are people out there foolishly that say, we don't need doctrine. Doctrine divides, but love unites. You don't have love if you don't have the right doctrine. If you don't have truth, you don't have anything. And so we see this, this simple. The Bible says in Romans 1, 16 and 17, again, the latter part of verse 17, I guess I didn't quote to you. The Bible says, but they, they, are, led, they are led astray Whose good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. I'm disheartened. Every time I get to this subject, I have to pause for a moment because I don't like preaching on hell. I never have. I suppose maybe in my youngest days, I preached on hell a lot. I did. I don't preach on hell as much as I used to, to my shame. Jesus preached on hell. You say, I don't like hell. Neither do I. But it just pops in my head. I just won't need to say it. I'm just, you know, just pull. I'm not trying to, no setting up. I'm not trying to make it. How many have been to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C.? How many have been there? 
one, two, three, four, five, oh, seven of us. It's not a happy place to go to. But I would encourage everyone to go to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. if you get to Washington, D.C. It's not like going to Disney World. It is sad. But that's reality. It happened. You want to deny it? It's illegal in Europe. It's fact. How dare you? And I say, how dare you? Say, I believe the Bible when it talks about heaven, but I don't want to believe that hell. You don't, you don't have a heaven if you don't believe in the hell. hell, hell, hell. It's, they're both there. They're both taught in the word of God. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. And we've had people that have come into our church, and it's, it's more germane today than ever before, I'm sure. You don't really, you're not a judgmentalist. You don't believe in hell, do you really? A loving God wouldn't send people to hell. A holy God, his just, justice demands it. And the simple say, I don't want to believe that. Pardon me, it's sensitive because we've just gone through it here just in recent days again. I question and I, 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 I'm, I'm telling you, let me, let me just be as blunt as I, you're not saved. If you don't believe there's a hell, you don't, you, you, don't, you don't get heaven. That was good preaching, by the way. I'm just going to tell you right now. You say, I don't like it. There's three verses in here that in our flesh I don't like either, but they're true. And I, actually, I love them because it's the truth. And so we see this, this undisciplined, the, the simple, then the, then the silly. And by the way, I didn't just pick out that word because it has an S alliteration. But the Bible speaks in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. I won't read all the verses for time's sake. But this I know, or know, know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, proud, boasters. I won't go through the whole list here. Without natural affection, traitors, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I'm just going to say it. Uh, you know, the sins of summer. There's some Christians take off the whole summer. We might as well just close down church. I'm being facetious. Summertime is fun time. You know, God is the God of the winter time. He's the God of the springtime, the fall time. And he's even God in the summer. Did you know that? Pardon me for being facetious. Go on vacation. I've said it a thousand times. Here's a thousand and one. I have no problems with vacation. I do have a problem with the vacating from God. And I, and I think you should too. The silly. Well, let me finish the verse here. 2 Timothy 3, verse 6 says that for of this sort they, are, they creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. The, undis- the undisciplined, those that... Uh, it can be women, in this case, in that context, it's women. It can be men. That they, they silly, they sillily, I'll make a word up, sillily. I can't say that word, sillily, sillily. Say that three times fast. They try to make God the God of their own, or their own mind's desire. No, that's not who we serve. He's the God of truth. So we see this undisciplined 
the simple, the silly, but then the stripling or the, the sapling or the youth, in other words, the, the immature. In 1 Corinthians 3, 1, the Bible says, And I, brethren, could not speak to, unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with strong meat. For hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither are you now able. I have to be careful. Uh, my, okay, my grandchildren are here this morning here. The little ones, they don't get to eat steak because they'll choke on it. You've got to cut up their food for them, don't they? Don't you? We have to be careful how we deliver our food. I'm talking to a lot of mature Christians here this morning. You can take the strong meat of the word of God. Hebrews chapter, five, chapter 6, rather. Or chapter 5, the last verses, verses 11 to 14 I'm referring to. But some can't take the, the strong meat of the word of God. Have to be careful. And they'll be led astray by diverse, different types of doctrine. The Bible says, watch out. So we see this, these deceivers. There are many. There's the deceived, the unsaved. There's the unchurched. There's the undisciplined or undiscipled, rather. But then verses 8 to 11 Look what, look what it says, verse number eight. Look to yourselves that ye lose, well, let, me, let me translate or rather say it in a different way. Look to yourselves. You know, that's, we could say it this way in modern vernacular. Listen up. Hey, pay attention. Look to yourselves. Examine yourselves. That's what it's saying. That ye lose not those things which we have wrought worked for, but, what, but that we receive a full reward. Notice the dangers. There's dangers. These deceivers cause danger in our life. The danger, first of all, of going back. Going back. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Lose that which you have. That means you had something and you lost it. I, I think of... Uh, was it Lance Armstrong? That's his name, right? The, 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 the bicycle guy, right? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you sports, figure, sports enthusiast. I think, I think I'm right on this. I think he won the Tour de France, I don't know, several times, seven times maybe? Now, I know that uh, there was some, some uh, drugging, I guess they, they caught him on finally, and they, they rescinded his, I don't know if all of them or some of them, depending on how far back it went, but that's years ago. That's happened. It happens in sports. They stood on the podium, if you will. They got the gold medal, but then they lost it. Uh, I'd like to meet, uh, probably never will, Bernie Carbo, who's been to this pulpit. as a good friend with Pete, Pete Rose. I'd like to meet Pete Rose. Uh, Pete was a great ball player. 3,000 3, hits faster than anybody had ever hit him. Great ball player, but he'll never be in the Hall of Fame. Unless they change the rules. But he lost that which he had. He'll never be, have his face image put in bronze there at the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. The Bible says, see that you don't lose your full reward. There are lots of rewards in heaven, 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 15. The Bible says that, that we can lose our rewards in heaven. Here, let me give you two more verses here. Revelation 3.18, the Bible says, And no man see thy nakedness. In Malachi chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, and I'm paraphrasing, but Malachi 3, 17 and 18, the last chapter of the Old Testament, 
says, then we'll discern between those that live for the Lord and those that live, live not. Now, I saw two illustrations just, just in the last week here. I saw, we were down in Lancaster, of course, for three days. I saw one man, not a homeless man, and he had a sign. And I don't think, it's, I just glanced at it. It didn't say, we'll work for food, you know, homeless help. Saw one man with a sign that said, homeless help. And I saw another man with a, we pulled into that Wawa's yesterday, and there was a Tesla parking lot there, and there were all these $120,000 Teslas. No joke. The guy walked out of the Tesla. I don't think he was homeless. Now, one probably maybe have a million, has a million dollars in his bank account. The other has is penniless. Which would you rather be? They're both human beings. Both lived on planet Earth. Maybe it's a vivid illustration, but I think in heaven... We're going to discern between those that live for God, no jealousy though, and those that did not. Some are going to be saved, yet so as by fire. Have no crowns to cast at his feet. Danger of going back, I was thinking, and uh, as always, I'll be vague and on purpose on this, but I was thinking I have a particular former member of our church from many years back, now many years. They were in church services every single time the doors were opened. They haven't been in our church or any other church as far as I know for years and years and years and years. I think they're God's child. I really do. I think that that person, I'll say his name was John. His name's not John. I want to say that John was saved. He is saved. He's a child of God. He's backslidden. I think John, when he dies, he's going to go to heaven. But he's not going to go to heaven via through, through church or and it probably won't even have a Christian funeral, I doubt. Whether he's saved or not, the Lord only knows, really. But I think he is. I think he was deceived. And he fell into the condemnation of the devil, and he, and he got away from the things of God. And he's gone back, and he's lost his reward. Don't lose your reward. You There's that word rot, W-R-O-G-H-T, O-U-G-H-T. It talks about Working. Don't work so hard and then give it up at the end. Keep on keeping on. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So uh, there's danger, verse number eight, of going back. Verse number nine, notice what it says. Whosoever transgresseth. That word transgresseth has the idea of adds to, piles on, and abideth not in the, in, in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. Can that be more succinct or in your face? If you don't believe Jesus is the Christ, you don't have God. He's the Savior. And it goes on to say that, say that he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. Notice the danger of going ahead. And I'd like to make an application. There's one interpretation of every scripture. There's much application. In the interpretation, the Bible says that specifically, don't be deceived, Jesus is God in the flesh. That's who he is. And if you don't believe that and you don't have God, you don't have Christ as your all in all, your Savior, you're not a Christian. No matter how much you say you're a Christian, you're not. You don't have the Father. The Jehovah Witnesses don't have the Father. They say they have the Jehovah God. They don't have Jehovah God if they don't have Jesus Christ. And they don't believe that Jesus is the Christ. They don't believe that he's God the Son. Like our friendly neighborhood Mormons that are all around us. I don't think I've ever met a Mormon I didn't like. They're always nice people, it seems like. But they don't believe, you check it out. Don't believe me. You say, 
I don't believe. Check it out. Mormon doctrine says that Jesus and Satan are brothers. Now you check it out. And if you find, you find out I'm wrong, you come to me, you prove it to me, and I'll publicly apologize to everybody, but you'll be wrong. So I'm not worried about it. You say, preacher, that's in your face preaching. I know that's the point. Don't, but here's the application to this verse of going ahead, the dangers of going ahead. We, we're in a progressive society, a modernist society. We're in vogue now. God's grown up. God is still speaking, our churches tell us. Some churches, false apostate churches tell us. God has grown up and he now has a different opinion on sin than he used to. No. No, God, the Bible says, I'm Malachi 3, 6, I am the Lord, I change not. The holy God of the Old Testament is the holy God of the New Testament. Yes, he's changed the rules. We live in the age of grace. Thank God for that. There'd be a lot of people getting killed if we didn't live in the age of grace. Last time you lied, you didn't get bowled over by like Ananias and Sapphira and dropped dead. God can still do that, and he can do that if he chooses because he's God. But we have to be in danger of going ahead. And I'd just like to also make an application. Folks, let the church be the church. I'm, you know, our church, you know, I'm not against having a coffee shop in our church. We never have Starbucks, by the way, I promise you that. Now, if we have a, if we have a coffee shop, it would be Dunkin' Donuts, of course. But, but we're not, not Starbucks. Now, by the way, I'm not against bowling. I haven't bowled in years, but I kind of like bowling. I used to like it. I don't know if I could hold a 16-pound ball, ball any longer, but anyhow. Churches have bowling alleys right here in Torrington, or rather right, right here in Connecticut, have bowling alleys in their church. Well, I'm not against bowling alleys, but I'm not for bowling in church. God has some, you know, we're trying to make our church, I'm going to tell you, there's some Walmart Christianity that's come to churches across America. And if we're not careful, we can come to our church. Folks, this is not a place of entertainment. I'd like to be funny, but I'm not very funny. I wish I could be a comedian, but I'm not. But God didn't call me to be a comedian. God called me to preach the word of God. Amen. And that I must be faithful to do. Whether it's, whether, you, whether it's likable, palpable, or whether it's not. God's told us to declare the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help us God. So we've got to be careful about transgressing, going ahead. And falling into, giving into the wills and whims of man. I want to be this type of church because we want to attract people. I want to attract people. I want to be a seeker-sensitive church, but I want to be a savior-sensitive church first. I want him to, we're, we're here. I, my goal as I'm preaching these last 40 minutes now is not to please you. It's to please him who's called me. Your purpose for being here is not to please your neighbor. Your purpose is to give him glory. To, to love him more, to be to the praise of his glory. So there's a danger of going back, verse 8. There's a danger of going ahead, verse 9. There's a danger, thirdly, verses 10 and 11. Notice it with me quickly. If there come any, any, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house. Now we believe that probably this select lady had a church in her house as well. Neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Now that's in your face, face speaking right there. 
Notice the danger of going with. Going with. The Bible says don't go with them. We've had for 60 some years now, almost 70 years, we've had the ecumenical movement that's come into pervaded and invaded Christianity. And the new evangelical movement will be like the world to win the world. We'll, we'll adopt their practices, their ideology, their, their mindset, their, their isms, their, their mannerisms. And we'll, we'll, we'll put aside doctrine because doctrine divides. No, the Bible says, be not unequally yoked together as a matter of some is. Hey, I mean, this just popped in my head in regards to 1 Corinthians 6, 14 through 17. The Bible says, then come up from among them and be you separate. I just, listen. You drink, it's going to destroy your life. Well, I didn't get a, hardly a peep out of that, but that's okay. I'm telling you, drink is going to destroy your life. Now, you young people, somebody is, pardon me, it's sensitive because I get it all the time, but I got it just a few weeks ago from a Christian. Well, I have, not in this room, just for the record. Well, I have an occasional glass of wine. Well, good for you. I'm glad that you have, can have your wine. I'm glad you have Christian liberty. I'm not going to say, oh, that's wicked, that's wrong. I'm going to say, you know, but one glass of wine usually leads to two glasses. It's amazing how two glasses aren't enough. It usually leads to 10 and then 100 and then 1,000 and then they're called winos. Then they're called drunkards. And you talk to an average person that drinks and yes, it's sensitive because it's right in my family and by the way, I'm sure it's in your family too. Took that one drink. First the man takes a drink and then the drink takes the man. And then it destroys the family. It destroys everybody around them. Same thing could be said for drugs. Oh, we'll just put up with it. Just a little bit. It's just a, it's a special event. It's the cocktail party. It's the Christmas bash. It's the New Year's Eve. It's okay. It's just everybody does it. Well, you're not everybody. You're called out of this world. This is an ecclesia, a church, a called out assembly. We do things differently than what we did when we were out there in the world. I'm trying to help you. How many young lady married a guy that has an occasional sip? Now, they're, now they've been divorced and their, their family's wrecked because they've been destroyed by the, wicked, the wickedness of drink. On and on, one illustration of a thousand could be given. Don't go with them. Don't, don't even start it. If any man come unto you, don't bid him Godspeed. Now back to the context of the verse real quickly, verses 10 and 11. Two things about these folks that don't share the same doctrine that we, don't, letter A, don't be hostile, but don't be hospitable. There's a difference. I don't think we should ever be mean to people. But I don't think we have to be extra super friendly to people either. Those that share not the doctrine of this faith once delivered to the saints. The Bible says not only don't be hostile, but don't be hospitable, but be humble, but don't offer a handshake. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? The Bible says don't bid them Godspeed. Goodbye. You know what that is? English contraction for God be with you. 
How many times do we say, and it's a Christian expression, we use it, God, God bless you. Listen, the Jehovah Witness, you don't say God bless you to a Jehovah Witness. Galatians 1, 6 and 7 tells me, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than which you have received, let him be accursed. That's what the Bible says. And then if he didn't get it, he says it again. So say, so say, now say, so say uh, again, I got to slow down. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. Anathema means be damned by God. The Mormon, God bless you. Which God? The Hindu, God bless you. Which million, well, 300,000 gods do you want to have God bless them? Or which God do you want them to be blessed by? The Muslim, the false Christian. You say, I don't like that. God says, don't say, but I think we should be careful. I think we should follow the word of God. The Bible says, don't bid them Godspeed. God bless you. You know what you're saying to them? You're saying, you're okay. You just stay the way you are. God bless you. That's not Bible. God tells them, tell them the truth, even if it hurts. You tell them the truth because you love them. If you don't love somebody, you don't bother telling them the truth. Lastly, A and B here, we'll give it to you real fast. Verses 12 and 13. Notice a word of comfort. And I'll just summarize. Verse 12, John says, uh, I hope to come to you and speak to you face to face. By the way, you've been, I've been in your face a little bit on purpose. Well, quite a bit on purpose. Okay, totally on purpose this morning here in the last 45 minutes. Keep communicating with good Christians. Keep communicating with good Christians. Keep listening to sound preachers, sound teachers. Keep fellowshipping. That word communicating has a broader term than just speaking. Spend your time with Christians that love the Lord. It's a word of comfort. By the way, your life will be better if things go better with other Christians that are living for Christ. Keep communicating with good Christians. And secondly, verse 13, thy children... Of thy elect sister, greet thee. We believe it's a sister church, probably. Amen. Keep company with good churches. We're not on an island under ourselves. There's plenty of other good gospel preaching churches around. Love the brotherhood. Keep company with good churches. We don't, we don't believe in denominationalism per se, but we certainly love the brethren, whether they go to our church or whether they, they don't, and make them part of our life. God says, I want to give you... Truth, you need to have truth if you're going to have true love. For without, no, without truth, there is no true love. And if you have truth, you'll be, uh, you have an, you'll be inoculated against uh, falling into deep deception. Let's bow for prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I guess my heart is a little bit hurt this morning, dear God, because of, Lord, not, not anybody that's here this morning, but, Lord, for a few people, and you know, you know my thoughts are far off, Lord. You know who is in my mind even right now. Lord, of folks that are not here, and, Lord, and they're, in, they're going to a church or someplace else or no place at all that tells them what they want to hear and not what they need to hear. Lord, that breaks my heart. Lord, help us to be about your truth. Help us to obey the word of God even when it seems harsh. May we speak the truth in love. Lord, we don't have to be hostile, but we don't have to be hospitable either. 
He said to those that share not this doctrine, bid them not Godspeed. Help us to obey the word of God. Help them not give them a false hope and ask you, you, Lord, to bless them. Lord, may they come to Christ. I pray you bless in these moments of invitation, Lord, knowing that you paid it all, Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand, 157 it is, and listening to the first verse this morning.